Lose the Cape Podcast, episode 114. It is launch day for a friend of ours, M.B. Antavasan, as she relaunches her fantastic book, The Birth of Magdalena, Into the World. We are talking with her today all about the book and her background and why she wrote this book, who the book is for. We're talking all about um, birthing situations, how people give birth, um, whether or not they use medicine or painkillers or not, all that good stuff. It was a pretty interesting discussion that we had as we help MB Entevasan launch her book on launch day. Yay! We hope you enjoy this interview. Aubrey and I had a good time recounting our birth stories and telling about some of the scary things that happened to us uh, while talking to Michelle about her experiences and uh, healing and basically who her book is aimed at helping and why. So check out our episode today. You can get all of the show notes and links, um, links to the book, links to her website, all that great stuff at losethecape.com forward slash podcast forward slash 114. And be sure to check out the giveaway. We had a little conversation going on on Facebook. If you participate in that, leave a comment or um, or leave a comment on the blog post. You will be entered in to receive a copy, to win a copy of The Birth of Magdalena. Okay, have a fantastic day and enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Lose the Cape podcast, where we interview busy modern moms, people who help moms, and anyone else who has an interesting, transformational, and inspirational story to share. <laughs> we are super pleased today to speak with Michelle, who writes under the pen name of M.B. Antavasan. Michelle has been studying the science of health and wellness for over 20 years. She has a bachelor's degree in biology and a master's of public health and epidemiology. She's also a certified science teacher. While raising her four children, she became an accredited La Leche League leader and a professionally trained birth doula and recently completed a three-year energy healing training. She's also a certified family trauma professional. So as you can tell by all these certifica certifications, we're going to get into some really interesting topics today. Thank you for being with us today, Michelle. Thanks for having me. So I had been talking on your, your webpage actually about how, um, you know, it, it, by the time I had like my third birth, I almost started to figure out how to do this birth thing. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I originally had wanted to share you know, with people, like all this stuff I'd figured out, like I did the doula training, I did all these other things, and I had learned so much and read every book, and I wanted to sort of share a right answer, because I love school, but, um, but with mothering, there is no right answer, and everybody just needs to have some story or some inspiration or see that other people have done it, and I would have people say, like, oh, you know, you have this all figured out, and I'm like, well look at where I started and look how far I've come. So I really wanted people to see the whole journey and see how far I came in my own healing. Mm -hmm. And hopefully that's inspiring in the sense that, you know, you can heal too. And like so, right now I have a health company mm -hmm. and people are like, oh, well, you're just healthy. Like you just have that thing. And I'm like, but I didn't start healthy. I sort of went on the quest to become healthy because I was tired of being in pain. Mm-hmm. Well, that's super interesting, and it actually kind of answers the question out there. Like, you know, there's always stereotypes, and let's just be honest, scientists 
have a very different have a very different stereotype than doulas. <laughs> Just as an example, you know, so you are like a completely. I mean, you have and yoga instructors and all this stuff that you have going on. You have a very like. Uh, I love the word woo-woo. I think of it as a very positive <laughs> thing. I know people are, some people are not, you know, excited about woo-woo stuff, but, you know, you don't normally pair science and woo-woo. So, like, how do you, when you, do you, do your worlds blend other than within yourself? Do, do your science worlds and your, um, and your doula worlds blend? And how do you explain to these people who think this way about how, you can be a scientific person and, and see things very clearly and scientifically and still believe that you can heal yourself and you can have good energy and all that stuff. Yeah. And for me, I actually, like when I started doing that stuff, I had to actually go into the science and prove to myself how it works. <laughs> so I know how it works and I have all sorts of, you know, charts and graphs on how it works and down to the molecular level. So I had to do that so you for are myself. a real then, scientist. <laughs> but then my teacher was like, nobody cares about that. They just care if they feel better. So like, oh, wow. I'm not supposed to talk about it because nobody cares. But I'm like, I love all the details of it and I love knowing how it works. Other people just want to know that they feel better. Right. Um, but yeah, my worlds really don't intersect a lot or I'll be in one group and they're like, well, you don't fit here. And I go somewhere else and they're like, well, you don't fit here either. And I refuse to fit in little boxes and I refuse to like check off one box or pick one career or do one thing. You know, like people who say you can't be a mom and work or you can't, you know, I don't know, whatever they say we're not supposed to do. I just combine things in different ways. And then, you know, when I hang out with the yoga people, they say I'm too whatever. <laughs> and then if I hang out with more mainstream science people, they say I'm too woo-woo. So it's an <laughs> interesting line that I walk. Um, and, and it is hard to not ever really fit in in certain places or anywhere. But that was also one of the reasons why I wanted to write the book, because people would take my story and they would, like, you know, say it back to me but putting it in a little box. And I'm like, well, you can't talk about it without looking at the whole thing. So I wanted to talk about the science of what's going on and, and all of that. But there's also so much spirituality with birth. Like you can't talk about your birth without, or I mean, you can try to not talk about it, but when you go through transition, you're going to have like a spiritual experience, whether you like it or not, like it happens. And nobody prepares you for that. And nobody tells you that that's going to be like this huge thing that happens. They prepare you for, you know, the medical experience you're going to have or the physical preparations that you can do. Yeah. But they don't talk to you about even the science of all of that, you know, the emotional stuff and how that's going to affect what's going on with you physically. Absolutely. And, you know, um, Aubrey, please jump in here anytime you want. If you start talking, I will stop. Well, it's it's super interesting because, um, you know, yesterday on the Lose the Cape page, we <laughs> that is the craziest cat. <laughs> All of a sudden, these claws just come around the edge of the chair and hop into her lap. Oh, my gosh. Hi, kitty. So, no, we were um, we had this conversation going on the Lose the Cape page. Um, uh, Facebook page and it was basically just inviting people to share their birth stories we haven't really gotten into a whole lot on what the book is about but Michelle will allow me to paraphrase quickly it's um, empowerment and how going through birth can empower you and how if it, it, how you should be 
finding empowerment, I suppose, through the, the journey of birth and healing. And um, she was she was birth injured in her first childbirth. And we asked a question on, on how people gave birth the first time, whether it was um, at home or in the hospital or C-section medicated, not, not medicated. And one of the things that I find is interesting is that women love to share that. And it's not interesting. I think it's perfectly natural. Like it is the most empowering event that happens in our life. I mean, we push a baby out of our bodies, wherever it winds up coming out of, <laughs> you know, and how, and in whatever it way and, 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 where, and wherever, you know, and, and it is an incredible, incredible accomplishment and achievement. And one of the people, it was Nancy, actually, she commented and she said that she'd, she'd felt like, uh, uh, the first time around, she'd failed because her body didn't do what it was quote unquote supposed to do. And I find that completely interesting that we, if things don't go exactly like they quote unquote should go, that we take it as a personal failure, which is insane because look how much trouble, if you read through the thread of those thick comments, only one person that commented had like a quick and easy home birth, no issues, you know, everybody else had emergency C-sections or wound up going and getting painkillers when they didn't think they were going to or wanted to be at home and wound up in the hospital or had a baby that nearly died or they nearly died. And it's like, we got to get over this idea of how it's supposed to be and realize that it's still like an amazing thing that we do no matter how it happens. And your body, you are not a failure because it didn't happen the way you thought it would. I'd love to hear your thoughts on on that as it pertains, especially to your book or your own experience. Yeah, and um, I had I had like 20 thoughts and now I have to pick one. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to say on this topic. I mean, you could go There's in so, so many different say. directions. Um, but yeah, and, and I was, you know, thinking a lot about how women, you know, we judge ourselves and we're, you know, our, our harshest critic and, mm -hmm. but also society is so judgmental of women, uh -huh. but it's also then when we want to heal something or if it, if it didn't go how we want it and we want to heal that, we get judgment from other women for that as well. Right. You know, so, I mean, there were so many amazing things about my first birth, even though it ended up with the induction and the cesarean and you know, but it was amazing. And I had twins and <laughs> there's so many good things about that, that I wanted to celebrate. Mm -hmm. But then there were some things that, you know, the next time around, I'm like, Ooh, I want to do that differently because right. that was not comfortable and that did not feel good. And, you know, so then by my third, I was like, okay, like I've, I've got this, you know, I'm going to drink this tea and I'm going to do this, you know, positioning thing. That's just going to make it so much more comfortable and easy. And, and with all that, we need to accept the fact that we're sort of rebuilding where we had a, a couple generations where, you know, natural birth was lost. Uh -huh. And a lot of us are bringing in these stories that we heard. So you can't take a woman and her entire situation and take it and isolate that from her environment, from her family stories, from where she's giving birth, from all the other things that are going on during her pregnancy, from her entire, you know, medical history or health history. Uh -huh. But yeah, so we bring in like stories, even right on your, your page yesterday, people were bringing in stories from like, you know, this generation, their generation, a couple generations back, you know, everyone in my family had this. So we, we have our mothers and our grandmothers that are sort of coming with us 
you know, mm-hmm. even if not physically, we're bringing their stories. And so that's where I ended up getting into a lot of the, you know, intergenerational family patterns and looking at, at healing that whole piece. Mm-hmm. And I had to do that for my family. But a lot of women that I talk to are sort of, you know, doing their own healing that mm-hmm. their mothers or grandmothers weren't able to do. So we had, you know, that big, um, big shift back, you know, starting in like, you know, 1905 through like 1970, where a lot of people were really hurt, you know, by the birth system. And then they never had a chance to heal that. And we even talked on the, the thread yesterday about when you have a surgical birth, they don't have anything built into the system to help you recover. They're just like, right. okay, there you go. That was easy for the surgeon. Now here's a baby or two or three go home and, uh, you know, take care of them yeah. and recover from surgery. And then oh my they gosh. don't have, you know, physical therapy. They don't have, right. you know, what to do about that. I talk to women all the time. Like we go home and they don't tell you what to do with the scar, how to like, you know, work that, how to heal from that. Like just physically, they don't explain how to do the medical healing. Right. And then you're emotionally healing. You're a new mom taking care of brand new babies, like, and doing all of that at the same time. So we yeah. say this with a lot of love and no judgment at all that our mothers or grandmothers who were sent home, you know, after their birth and handed a baby and recovering or, you know, and maybe they didn't have any support and you just keep going. Like we're all right. very strong and we're resilient and we keep going and we take care of our kids and we, you know, put ourselves last or whatever it is. And then you just sort of stuff those feelings away. Yeah. And now there's more and more research about how that can come back up. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. My, I had two C-sections. The first one was emergency. The second one was somewhat scheduled. Um, The first C-section, I came home, of course we were in the hospital a little over a week because she was in the NICU that's a whole other story too, though. Um, but I didn't have the pain. I was younger. I mean, I, I recovered really, really quickly. In fact, you know, I was lifting and stuff. But my second one, I assumed would be the same way. And I came home and literally I could not stand up straight. I hurt so bad in the scar area. And to this day, she's will be six in December. I have so much scar tissue built up that there are some times where it feels like I'm I'm bleeding inside, which kind of doesn't make sense, but it feels like it rips open and it yes, bleeds. I, I get a similar sensation. Do you understand? Although it feels like, um, so my first and second were vaginal births. My third was um, an emergency C-section with the twins because there was no other option. Um, Catherine was in heart failure already and it was like, we got to get him out. We got to get him out now. And um, I still... Uh, first of all, I still don't have a uh, sensation in my lower abdomen. Like, I mean, I can feel if I'm touching it, but it feels weird. And second of all, um, I get scar tissue and it feels, I have a huge buildup of scar tissue and it feels like um, a Charlie horse or something in my abdomen. Like if I bend over a certain way, it'll catch. And it's like, I have to stretch out and try to get it to yes. pop out of place. So yeah, there's all kinds of things. And nobody, it freaked yeah. me out when that started happening. You would think by now they've been doing this long enough that in your, in your out processing or even in your like six week checkup or something, they'd be like, here are some of the things that can happen. They are normal or they're not normal or when to know if you should 
be concerned or how about here's how you treat your scar like you were saying you know how to there may have been things that I could have done immediately following the c-section that could have prevented the scar tissue I don't know I, I'm not a scientist but I don't know maybe not but if there is information yeah, so out there they need to share it <laughs> nobody told me I was so upset like we had an ICANN meeting which is like the International Cesarean Awareness Network uh -huh. And they do a um, they do a support group after cesarean. So I was so lucky mm. to find the one in my area and wow. find really great support and a circle of women to take care of each other with all the physical and emotional stuff that comes up, you know, from having a surgical birth. But mm -hmm. but they would bring in guests, and we had a massage therapist who came in and showed us how to work the scar. Oh wow! And I was like, oh, I wish I had that. Like I ended up, you know, with that meeting. I think was after my VBAC. It was after. You know, so so after my third was born, but I think it was before my fourth was born. <laughs> but but they were showing us the scar therapy and um and she showed us all these physical things you could do and how you're supposed to work it and how you work the skin, how you work underneath, how it heals better. And I'm like, nobody told any of us that when right. we had surgery. And it's and like it's... you'd think that would be something they could tell you, like how to physically heal this scar when you go home like that should be a given right like right simple things like that so when I say there's no support for women I'm not even talking about all the woo-woo stuff I'm just talking right. about physically like show us what to do with the thing that now we just had major surgery I also oh had gosh. um oh I was gonna say when you were talking the worst part for me is the itch that you can't scratch yeah like, yes. like where the nerve there's like nerve damage or then when the nerves are yeah. growing back yeah like, sometimes you'll start to get more feeling but when the nerves grow back you get this like itch or a twinge or a thing and you can't scratch it or it's internal or yes, yes, yes. um oh it's terrible it's so terrible you know I mean it's it's crazy I mean this like I think that your book and this topic brings up so many questions and so many things that that I feel like in 2017 we should not still be discussing it. It's like crazy <laughs> that we're talking about it like it's new. And I mean, just like the VBAC thing, for example, I have a friend who has had four C-sections because her doctor won't let her have a VBAC. Now, in full disclosure, I have never had a, a conversation with her to find out if there was a medical reason why she had the first C-section. And if there's a reason why they continued to, um, to do the C-sections. But to me, to Aubrey's point, my sister's first and only child so far was born via C-section, perfectly easy C-section for her, easy recovery. In her mind, a C-section is easy breezy. So if she has another baby, I'm sure in her mind, she's thinking, why go through VBAC? That that sounds horrible, given, you know, actually having to heal from that. What if I rip? What if I, you know, blah, blah, blah. I've heard so many horror stories about terrible vaginal deliveries and blah, blah, blah. But I know a C-section was a piece of cake. So naturally, she's going to probably choose that option. I haven't spoken with her about it. But it seems like doctors don't do much to dissuade people or encourage them to try a VBAC. And um, I don't know if you know this, Michelle, or not. I think Aubrey knows this, but I do a ton of work with the March of Dimes because of our situation and and the research that I've seen on like the benefits of vaginal birth versus C-section and what you get when the baby passes through the, the vaginal canal and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I feel like we're not really educating moms on all the benefits of 
a vaginal birth and and instead like i mean what's with the c-section it makes them more money it's easier it's for the doctors you know <laughs> if for people the doctors, not for the mom right exactly <laughs> and it's like i don't know go where you want to with that whole stream of dialogue because it's just i mean i don't even know where you'll go with it well but... <laughs> and you're talking about not educating the moms but in my yeah. story i talked about um when i was laboring and i had a you know good long labor with the twins before i had surgery but um <laughs> I was talking to the nurse, I think at a prenatal about how I wanted to labor, like even if I ended up needing surgery, um, I wanted to labor and have contractions and there's so many benefits for the babies and for those final stages of development. And mm, that I did not know like, either. Crazy. And she was like, well, why would you want to labor? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> like, how does why don't you know that? <laughs> nurse not know that? Like, so I was like, okay, so the random, you know, woman on the street who now she's having her first baby. And maybe she hasn't read all the books, but I was like, why do the people who are working in this field not, you know, why don't they read the books? Why don't they know the research? And, and there's, you know, campaigns now to have, you know, medically or whatever, research-based medicine. Mm -hmm. There's like evidence-based medicine. I'm like, I knew there was a correct term that I wasn't using. <laughs> evidence-based medicine, where we actually have like hospital policies based on the evidence, like things like a VBAC is safer than you know a repeat cesarean mm -hmm. and there's doctors who are like nope i only do this and then yes. the women aren't given a choice or they're dissuaded from you know following the actual research and we also have another initiative called mother baby friendly hospital and you have to get like a special certificate saying that your hospital is a friendly place for women and children and i just find that the most ridiculous thing that you have to show that like that should be the bare minimum like they should close their doors if they're not healthy places that take care of women and children because back to the whole public health thing we had you know like there's one number you can look at one statistic and it will tell you everything you need to know about that entire country and just look at their you know maternal and infant you know morbidity and mortality yeah. number like, and that will tell you everything about how they treat their population, how they care about their people. You know, so if you're not taking care of the babies, then you're not spending your healthcare dollars in the right way. So, and sadly, the U.S. ranks in very high numbers, especially for a first world country in terms of maternal and infant death, which to me just blows my mind, like blows my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we have some communities where it's, you know, even double, like our, yeah. our numbers are ridiculous as a country. And then in certain communities, the mortality rates are, you know, double that. And there's so many issues going on that need to be addressed as far as advocacy and education. And, but people just, you know, sort of tuck that away and they don't want to talk about it. And mm -hmm. it's like, how do we not talk about it? Like, and so people are like, well, birth isn't my thing, you know, and I'm like, well... <laughs> So even if you're a man and you want to, you know, talk about this, because every one of them was born. And right. <laughs> so I am, you know, I had a whole talk. And then, but yeah, so the effects of when you were an infant, when you were born, you're still carrying that with you. And that affects your health more for the rest of your life than everything that happens afterwards. So when we talk about environmental health, I like to point out to people, you know, the environment of the womb where you grew affects you more for the rest of your life than anything else you're going to do. That is a profound statement. Well, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I was the person who wanted 
you know, back in like 1950 when they would put you under like I'm not gonna lie I wanted to be that person I I did not want to labor I I did I don't have a no I didn't want to be in pain and with my first daughter um she was not scheduled c-section it was emergency but I can remember when I first found out I was pregnant with her I was 25 so I wasn't just terribly young my sister and I were watching a baby story on TLC. So not too graphic, you know, just their faces. And this lady was shaking and crying. And my sister looked at me and said, what did you do? Like, I felt like I just got on this roller coaster and I wasn't going to get off until a baby came out of me. But then by the end of the pregnancy, I was like calmer. And I can remember being in the labor and delivery room and they were getting the tools ready. And I thought, I'm good. Of course, I had had an epidural at that point. Um, And then she was emergency and it was crazy. My husband couldn't even be in the room. I mean, they were losing her. The cord was wrapped around her neck like three times. Um, So it was a very traumatic first birth. Um, And then the second one, I was like prepared for another C-section because it was easy for me. The first C-section was very, even though it was emergency, it was easy for me. So I know I, I'm that person who didn't want to labor. And honestly, I I don't feel guilty about it. Um, I didn't breastfeed. I don't feel guilty about it. Who's like, I want to be in the worst pain of, well, okay. Some people do. I've read some comments where people are like, I want to feel the pain. I want to feel what my, everything my body does. And you know what I say? More power to your sister. Hook me up to the epidural. <laughs> All right. So here's, here's what I tell people because I hear you going there. And this is one of those cultural beliefs that we all grow up hearing. And we hear about the pain of childbirth. And, and even in the 60s and 70s when they were trying to bring back natural birth, uh-huh. they all these pain management or things to do to distract you from the pain. And all the discussion was around pain. And yeah. nobody was talking about the reality that if you stay off of their drugs, and if you birth where you feel safe, where you feel supported, where you have people just being compassionate. Um, and so if you are in that kind of environment, giving birth, the natural endorphins that you get, I don't remember the number. So, I mean, don't count me on it, but it was, it was something, it was like 10 times stronger than morphine, like the amount of help and support that your own body gives you for managing the intensity of those feelings. So it feels pretty intense and it's a very strong feeling, you know, pushing a baby out and we're not used to feeling that kind of intensity (laughs) in our lives now. It's like we take a, you know, we take a Tylenol if we start to feel a headache coming on, like we, you know, we avoid any sort of strong feelings our whole life. And now all of a sudden you get all of it at once. So people compare it to like, you know, exercise where you get to the point where it hurts and then you have to like push a little more to get the effects of the exercise or like lift a few more reps or whatever. People compare it to exercise. They compare it to like the endorphins you get from running. But yeah, there is that belief going in that this is going to be so painful and I don't need to be a martyr and I don't need to hurt myself and whatever it is. Like, so we have that already built in and I hear you guys saying it. So it's, um, yeah, you, and you're I, absolutely right. And yeah, I would have talk about how, you know, amazing it can feel. And then we have that like sort of natural amnesia that comes too if you let your yeah. biochemistry do its own thing where afterwards, then you're like, Oh, that wasn't too bad. <laughs> 
I would agree. I would, I would agree. I would agree to an extent. I, I have no doubt in my mind that psychology plays a huge part in it. And if we go in already assuming that it's going to be the worst pain of our life, we tense up, we get all, mm-hmm. you know, all these things that we do to our body that make it worse. However, like <laughs> exactly. But I will caveat that with in a normal, healthy pregnancy and delivery, I would agree with that 100%. Oh, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Because um, in, in our situation, I mean, my son was face up, I had horrible back labor. I mean, there were all these other things that oh, were above yeah. and beyond what a normal, oh my gosh, it was <laughs> the worst thing ever. And I labored without medication for almost to uh, 18 hours before I finally got oh. something. And yeah, yeah, yeah I went I into labor in the morning. And I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't intentional. They wouldn't admit me to the hospital because I wasn't um, progressing. And I'm like, mother truckers, you're gonna get me in and I am not going home. And thankfully, thankfully I insisted because he had a cord and uh, a knot in his cord. And if we hadn't delivered when we delivered, he would have died. So, you know, there's, there's those things, there's those things, but anyway, I, I agree yeah, so with you like though. All of these interventions are like, you know, to be used in the moment by right. our professionals. So if you have the right support team, then that's why you have them there. So they right. can decide in the moment they need right. some, you know, pain relief. They need some support in this way. They need this other procedure mm-hmm. in the moment. But when people are deciding, you know, I had a advanced. friend who, you know, <laughs> at a month pregnant, when the baby's like a peanut, right? They told her her baby was going to be too big for her to deliver. <laughs> oh my gosh. And she's like a totally normal sized woman. Like she's right. not, you know, too big, too small, whatever, just average American sized woman. Like, and they said, your baby's going to be too big to deliver. And they started putting that into her head at like just a couple weeks pregnant and yeah, they make decisions about your birth or people decide it's going to be too painful. They yep. don't wait until, yep. and they don't have support for helping them. Yeah. With no, those, I, you know, I think you're, with, but yeah. So in the moment, you know, I know some amazing midwives who are going to be like, Oh, this woman needs some relief from pain. She needs to be able to relax right. for a bit. She needs something to right. get her to that next phase. Right. Like, you know, there's nothing wrong with the interventions. It's, it's more of the entire culture where they're like, we're going to take this one thing and give it to all the women. Oh whether yeah. They need it or not. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And, and just do cesarean for all their right, clients, right, whether right, or not. Right. That's And a that's major surgery. And we were talking before yep. about the recovery is not easy. Right. They don't have support for it, despite how many they do. Yep. You know, and these hospitals are just like, oh, well, we're I just going to you know, And, and I, I don't want to judge. But Judge away. <laughs> I know my husband didn't consider it. I, I don't think my husband considered the C-section major surgery because they just see a little cut right. in your tummy. Unless they watch all your organs my, being lifted out of your body and then they yeah, change their my mind. Husband, he wasn't, he, <laughs> my husband right. watched my organs he, taken he out and put back well, in. Yeah. And... <laughs> no. Well, he wasn't in there with he wasn't in there with Emma. And then the second one, he stayed right at my head. Um yeah, but he's you know he's a little cowboyish, and you should be able to. Oh, that's nothing but a thorn. Um, but I I don't think people see it as major quote unquote surgery because 
it's another it's education just, problem. It's like an everyday, it's both, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then right. men have like hernia repair with a tiny little incision or laparoscopic repair and they get PT and they get support <laughs> and they get days in bed with people bringing them food. Like, Isn't it amazing? <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Okay, well, we are starting to run out of time and I did want to make sure that we talk about a couple things with the book. So it's called The Birth of Magdalena um, and it's your journey to healing in three trimesters. Uh, what is the biggest uh, takeaway of the book and wh- who will, who will get the most from it? Um, yeah. So even you mentioned the, the journey towards healing and three trimesters. So mm-hmm. the book is framed around the three major sections, three trimesters, like a pregnancy, nine chapters, like we have nine months of pregnancy. So it's really framed around motherhood as the journey mm-hmm. and but in my story, I had three births. So the three sections, it sort of goes chronologically through that. But it also goes through a lot of the healing, a lot of that awakening, seeing what those beliefs were, which beliefs no longer served me, what needed to heal, what patterns I needed to break for my family. Uh-huh. Um, those things that like my mother and my grandmother had been, you know, working on when I was a kid or, you know, trying to give me the best that they could. And I was trying to bring that and do more for my kids and But yeah, I had a lot of things that, you know, nobody told me about, we weren't supposed to talk about, whatever it was. And, and so you really look back at all the stuff you bring to motherhood, all the stuff you bring to birth, all the things that, you know, might come up for you. And like I said, I wanted to have like one right answer, but it was really more of, you need to take the bigger picture look at your whole story. And so I'm hoping my story inspires other people because like I said, if they see now, like, oh, you're healthy, you're whatever. And I'm like, well, you know, or, you know, <laughs> I look cute in this dress today, but, you know, a couple of years ago, I was 220 pounds and I didn't think I would ever wear normal clothes again. And, you know, it was a long oh. thing to work back to that. And they don't like the answer if they ask, like, oh, how'd you do that? And then you say stuff like exercise. <laughs> no, no. They want to hear. They want to hear like, oh, I took this one magic pill and then everything was all better. So, um, but there are like there were a lot of steps I took. There were a lot of things I tried. There were you know books that I read and mindset shifts and all of those things. So I wanted to you know leave that for my readers, like all the types of things. So like I said, it it sort of goes through my story. So you get chronologically, you can be taken along with my motherhood journey. But then it also has all those little tips and tools and things to try along the way. And hopefully you're inspired to go try that and apply that to your family story or apply that to your own you know, health or try this exercise if you like it. But, but yeah, so I have a lot of those sort of tips in there and things like that that hopefully could apply. Well, I mean, in a nutshell, it sounds like the biggest, the biggest like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's all about breaking stereotypes and um, mm-hmm. and looking at um, how we can change things, but for the future, so that we're not having the same discussion when our little girls are having babies. They're not having the same discussion about why didn't anyone tell me I could have a vaginal birth and it was less intrusive or less, you know, why didn't anybody tell me this? Why didn't anybody help me heal from my C-section? Why did people tell me it was going to be so painful? So I was so scared by the time I had a baby, you know, so it's, it's really, um, I think that your book is really an important movement and discussion of, of changing how we look at birth and how we, how we help our society heal as a whole. 
maybe in the childbirth discussion, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> do you agree? <laughs> yeah, it. and I do. I try to break down. That's where we started this conversation about being in, you know, different camps. And I think um, even just I woke up this morning to something on Facebook that got me so upset with victim blaming which is, you know, one of those things that we're working on. But if we can't break the patterns, if we keep putting everything in us versus them, mm -hmm. and they do that to the mothers, they divide us. Yes, saying, absolutely. Like, stay home versus working. And I'm like, well, a lot of people do combinations of all those things or change it up or whatever, or they'll yeah. have, you know, bottle feeding versus breastfeeding or home birth versus hospital birth. Like they try right. to put us in different camps and the us versus them and make us fight amongst ourselves instead of letting everybody get to that piece of healing. So that's where you really break the pattern is, you know, by not being put into those separate boxes or separate camps. And, you know, so you can be all of those things and you can, right. you know, I had a hospital birth and a home birth. I had this and that. And, right. um, you know, a lot of my issues came from having no self-esteem and having, you know, such a history going into my first birth from my childhood. And, you know, I had no body confidence and now I'm supposed to do this huge thing with my body and I'm supposed to all of a sudden trust my body. And I'm like, why would I trust this thing? Oh, that's such <laughs> you know, a, I had been that's sick for such so a good, many years. So yeah, that's but such yeah, a good point. So a lot of people don't do anything. I think it was Eve Ensler with her like vagina monologues and stuff. And, and she had cancer was her thing that woke her up. For me, mm -hmm. it was motherhood, but other people, something else wakes you up. But she talked about how so many Americans were like, you know, from the head up and we don't interact with our bodies at all. We don't listen to our bodies. We're not in tune. And then something wakes you up. I love it. And the birth of Magdalena is your awakening and hopefully will be an awakening to all the people who read it. And uh, just as a side note, there will be two other books coming out in this series. So we will keep everybody uh, up to speed with that. We're going to be giving away a handful of copies of The Birth of Magdalena. So look at the show notes at uh, losethecape.com forward slash podcast forward slash 114 to see how you can win a copy. And uh, if you're so anxious to grab a copy, today is launch day. You can head over to Amazon and just search Birth of Magdalena, M-A-G-D. A-L-E-N-A. -A. And uh, if you get even as far as birth of mag, it will pop up. So <laughs> go over, check it out. It's on ebook and um, paperback. And especially if you are a doula or work in birth services or injure, uh, birth injury or uh, medical labor and delivery or uh, whom else? Who are we missing? Pretty much anybody who would support, be a, a support of birth no matter Let's what type, physical therapist, we physical therapist, physical therapy today, massage yeah. <laughs> uh, Michelle, we'll be able people. to hook you up with discounted rates on buying the book in bulk to share with your peeps. So where can they reach you to find out more about that? Uh, the website is mbantivasin.com. So it's A-N-T-E-V-A-S-I-N. Okay. And thank you so much, Michelle. We really, really, really appreciate this uh, conversation. And it's a, it's an important conversation and one that women need to participate in. Thanks for having me on.